song of your fabulous, but that first one. <laughs> yes, that first one. You know who wrote that? Who? Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Man, let's play that one. It doesn't really line up totally with what I'm preaching about, but that's all right. All right. It's the same spirit. All right. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, the Lord, He didn't give me those talents. He knew that I couldn't handle that kind of glory. Right? So He gave me the foolish ability to go up and preach. He said, no, I'm not going to give you the talent to be able to write songs and sing because you'll probably be too puffed up in thinking that you've got all this talent and ability. So I'm going to let you do the thing that's kind of foolish. Preaching. That's what he said. I'm going to reach people through the foolishness of preaching. People would say, what are you doing up there getting all excited and making these declarations? That's, you know, this guy's, Paul, oh, you've lost it. You're beside, you ever seen the pastor? You're beside yourself, Brother Grant. Calm down. That's how the world sees it. Right? And, uh, but he didn't give me that because he knew I probably couldn't handle that. Amen. But he didn't choose the beauty of singing. He didn't even choose the wisdom of teaching. He chose the foolishness of preaching. Amen. We need those things. Brother Kelly did a fabulous job. You know, I'll tell you this about Brother Kelly. I know he doesn't like to shine the light on, upon himself, and he's very modest in uh, his grasp of the Bible. But if you sit and really listen to him, now I've listened to him a whole bunch, and, and I have formed conclusions about his doctrinal base, and it is very sound. Very sound. Right? And, uh, and so he has a good grasp. And we need to do that study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Otherwise, we can be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Right? Driving the kids up to youth convention with Easton. I said, hey, we've got to turn this off. Get that Bible out. You boys have to be able to break this thing open and teach people how to be saved. Open it up to here. I'm just driving. Open it up to here. Start reading from this verse to this verse. Now I want you to open up. Turn here. Start reading this verse to this verse. You've got to have it in here. Anyway, I'm getting off. Okay, let's see. What do I want to do? Oh, before we sit, I have it on good authority that you do not want to miss Wednesday night because it is going to be a lesson on those old Ten Commandments. What do we do with them? Are they relevant? Are they not relevant? Where are they in our life? So that will be settled on Wednesday night. All right? Amen. Praise God. All right. I don't know how I'm going to settle it, but the Lord has told me that's what I'm going to be uh, speaking on. So anyway, praise God. All right. So come. Invite out. All right. You may be seated. And I got a text yesterday. I'll read it to you. I got a text yesterday at 11.25. Two invites today from Brother Ali. Okay, we have decided to do this. That this year is going to be the greatest year of revival at the Tower of Pentecost. We believe that we are in the last days. Amen. The fig tree has blossomed. Israel. I was witnessing to a guy just last week and told him, I said, look, here's the thing. I don't know if I told this. Did I tell the story about uh, Mason and I were playing chess at the hotel? Did I tell him from up here? No. Okay, me and Mason and I were playing chess at the hotel at youth convention. And this guy walked by. He was in his 30s and uh, in, the, in the foyer of the hotel. And he says, hey, I got the winner. And we were, 
we were up on the third floor and off the elevators. They had a little sitting area. The rooms were just kind of right over there. And, and uh, he says, I got the winner. I said, fine, come on in. And Mason beat me. So he played Mason. And uh, he was up there for nuclear training, lived in San Diego. Uh, and they got, a, you know, the nuclear naval and all of that up there in Bremerton. And, and, and so he starts playing. And Mason starts beating him. And all of a sudden, the F-words start coming out. No, no. Hey, that's all right. That's the world we live in. Yes. He said, I hope I'm not offending you. I said, you know what? Grew up that way. I realize that's how people are. But when people are bold like that in the spirit, what I've learned is I've got to match their boldness and intensity. So just letting them, we're just playing. And I said, hey, let me ask you a question. Are you getting ready for Jesus to come back? Because you know he's coming back really soon. He said, what are you talking about? He didn't know anything about the Bible or anything. We had almost a three-hour Bible study. He went and got his guitar, started playing songs for us. His name was David. He knew nothing about King David. I told him about David bringing in praise and worship. He says, you think there's something about my name being David and this guy's name being David? I said, oh, you better believe it. And there's, I said, you know what? There was one reason God sent me on this trip. It was to give you the gospel that he loves you and doesn't want you to go to a devil's hell. At the end, Mason says, Dad, did you notice that at the beginning, he was cussing and saying all those words, but at the end, he wasn't cussing at all. He goes, I told him about Israel. I said, a hundred years ago, people scoffed at the Bible. They said, oh, come on, we can't be in the last days. Because the Bible says that Israel would be a great nation upon the earth in the last days, that God would bring them, all the Jews from all four corners of the earth, from all over the world to form Israel into a mighty nation. A hundred years ago, there was no nation of Israel. So scoffers scoffed and said, oh, come on, we can't be in the last days. There's no nation of Israel. Well, today there is. Anyway, that's a different lesson. Praise God. But I appreciate your lesson here this morning, Brother Kelly. Now let's get back to this. We are doing this 100 souls in 100 days. We are at 95 souls. By faith. By faith. Before this service ends. We will be over 100 souls. I want everybody right now to get out your cell phone. Every single one of you. Just get it out. Everybody get it out. Oh, just get your cell phone out right now. Everybody get your cell phone out. Everybody got it. Yeah. Brother Ollie, I know you got a cell phone. Ah, go get it. Seriously, go get it. Do you turn the ringer off? Go get your cell phone, Brother Ollie. I mean, I know you because Ollie is a soul winner. Okay. Get your cell phone. Hold it up high. Everybody hold up your cell phone. Hold it up. Hold it up. Hold it up. All right. Okay. Now, I want you to think of somebody that you are going to text right now. I want you to say something along this line. I am having a blast at church. Man, you should come with me next week. Okay. We are having an awesome time at service. I wish you were here. Why don't you come with me next week? Okay, now some of you are super texters like Easton. You ever seen a super texter? They're going to do this with their feet. If you're a super texter, you can go ahead and invite two or three. Okay? So now, I'm going to give you five seconds. I want everybody to invite somebody. I, I've already got one in mind. I think... If I was a super texter, I would do two, but I only have a limited amount of time, so I'll probably just do one. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Let's get out a text. Okay, so I gotta go to new text. The person that I wanna text. Okay. Hey.
we are having a blast at church. Boy, I wish you were here. I wish you were here. Is that H yeah H E R E? Wish you were here. Let's see. Plan. I'm just going to be forward. Plan on coming. <laughs> Next Sunday at 10. Okay, then send. Oh, I'm going to put an emoji, smiley face, after mine, just to make it a little more pleasant. Okay, send. Now, I want everybody to keep your phone out. And then when, and I don't care what the response is. Yes, nay, I'll think about it. Whatever, it doesn't matter. We don't care about that. Because we know if we plant the seed, God's the one that gives the increase. Our job is just to throw that seed out there. Throw that seed out there. Throw that seed out there. And God will do that great work of germination. And all of a sudden, yeah, he does that. I just got a response. We only need four more. Maybe next week. Hey, that's pretty good. That means the door's a little open. Maybe a second follow-up from me, and I got the deal sealed, right? We need four more. Four more. Anybody else got a response yet? Keep your phones on. As soon as you get a response, I don't care what it is, I want you to hold that up. All right? I want to know. Some of you super texters out there, don't be limited by one. Hey, look, here's the thing. is this: If you see your sowing as the, as the equivalent of God blessing, hey, we've got another one. We only need two, what, three more? Just count three. more. She's Wait. morbid. She says she, her church is at the same time that she wants to. So does that count? That counts. That's a response. Okay, so we need three more. We got two. Woo! Now look, here's the thing is this. If you, if you, if you tied in your mind, you're inviting to what God would bless you with. Sister Beth. Woo, there we go. While we're down, it's just two more. Hey, I want to say this. I have been tracking on my phone every time I get a text. I have a running sheet. Don't you love these little supercomputers? I have a little running sheet. The very first one, I didn't get the first 11. And then, Isaac, you're the first one. With Isaac, we have 12 now. 1, 6, and 21. And then, I just started keeping track. Beth, two in department store, now at 14. Beth, uh, she gave me an individual's name at 15. Colton, 16. Uh, me, 17. Beth at 18. Jacob, two. Uh, Mason, one. Jeff, one. Cliff, two. Yeah, I got one. <laughs> <laughs> I promise, I promise, and I promise I will go next week to church with you. Yeah! <laughs> One away, and we're doing the happy dance. All we need is one more. All we need is one more. And we got a hundred souls in a hundred days. Have you noticed that God has just blessed? We got another one? Yes! Yes! What is what, what your name? Yes! Alright! Woo! That's what it's all about. Is just that. It's all about just that. I had a guy once. He showed up. And I said, how did you get the invite? He said, well, last summer, you guys came by and uh, door knocked and gave me a flyer. And he goes, I put it on my fridge. Time got tough for him about a year, year and a half later. And he said, I'm going to come to that. I'm going to that church. So was that 100 or was that 99? Is, you said one more. 
Hey, we're at 100. All right. Woo! We did it. We did it. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And I want to say this. I wish everybody had the spirit and the attitude towards this as Sister Beth has. She has been the biggest evangelist for this church since we started this. She has 21 invites. 21 invites. 21. I'm, a, I'm, I'm almost afraid to stop it. <laughs> Kelly did. Kelly had a Kelly had a few. He did. He did. But Sister Beth, she was dynamite on this thing. Constantly sending me names and, and I had a, I invited somebody the other night, my wife and I. Young man helping us out at the store. And uh Anyway, we started a conversation. I said, you ought to come. We got a great youth group. You would love our church. And he's like, oh, man, it sounds like a blast. And so anyway, praise God. I don't know what we'll do next, but this is a great start. Come on, right? Amen. Come on. And you just keep on. We're hopefully, hopefully we've created some habits in here and thinking about that, right? We want to expand the territory even in the midst of a shutdown. When there's no hope, yes. the church has got to be the light and the hope amen. of this world. Yes. Amen. amen. Praise God. So anyway, thank you. I wanted to have a little bit of fun with that. And I appreciate the church allowing me to do that. Amen. <clears throat> I have this thought here that I've been wanting to speak on. And I was going to speak on it the last time, but the Sunday before... Brother Grant preached, the pastor preached from the exact same scripture setting. And I thought, oh man, he's like going to steal my message. And I've never preached on this before, but I, I, uh, I've always had it in the back of my mind, this, this uh, thought, this, um, and, uh, and so he kind of tiptoed all around it and did a fabulous job. And, and, and I thought, well... I'm just going to go with something else. And so last time I was up here, I went with the, uh, uh, the miracles in John. And so I felt like uh, I'm going to go back to this and, uh, and go with this idea. Amen. Praise God. So if you would please, Brother Cliff, that scripture in. Did I give you Isaiah 6? Is it 5 and 6? Yes. I want you to listen to this. <clears throat> then said I... Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Next, next verse, please. Then flew one of the seraphims, it's an angel, unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. Now, I was barbecuing yesterday, and I was barbecuing some nice chicken thighs. Kelly is the master chicken thigh barbecuer, but I'm getting up there pretty good. He is. And... Um, I was tempted to just kind of reach in there and grab those with my hand, but I couldn't because sometimes the guys, they do dumb things thinking that they're tough. And I was just gonna flip that chicken over really quick. And uh, it's pretty hot in there, you know, 500 degrees in that thing. And uh, my wife's like, you just, what happened? I go, oh no, they just, she goes, you burn yourself? Oh, not too bad. So. Anyway, so I made sure I flipped those things over with the tongs, right? And so that's what's going on there. It's the angel had to grab this, this living live coal with the tongs because it was too hot for angels 
And so I'm just going to speak for a few minutes on just that. Too hot for the angels. Too hot for the angels. <laughs> Heavenly Father, so thankful, O Lord God. God, we're so thankful for the time that we live in, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that we would be about your business, O Lord God, that we would understand the hour that we live in. O Lord Jesus, that we would not be, Lord God, caught off guard by the cares of this world and the cares of this life. I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to quicken the congregation, that you would give them ears to hear and to be doers of your word. Lord God, let faith be increased. Lord Jesus, let revelation and understanding go forth. God, and I pray that you would continue to anoint and use me, Lord. God, I need your hand upon me, and I give you all the glory and all the honor. We lift you up, we magnify you, we bless you. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. Praise God. Yes. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you what's going on here in, uh, in this scripture today. Isaiah, at the beginning in verse 1, he says, uh, he says, it was, uh, <clears throat> he said, he saw the Lord lifted up high, sitting on his throne, and his train filled the temple. When you go through and you read some of these passages of these Old Testament prophets, Ezekiel, when he says in Ezekiel 1 that he sees the Lord, he saw the Lord. And there was this storm of fire and cloud and smoke and lightnings coming forth. You think, wow, could you imagine if we saw something like that? I don't know if I want to see something like that. I, we had a storm here last year that the kids and everybody were afraid. I mean, the lightning was so bad and all this, and they come running to me, and I've got to be the brave dad and say, oh, don't worry about it. And I'm thinking, this is pretty bad. <laughs> But you can't let them see that. It's like the pastor said last Sunday, right? If you have an army of dogs, but the leader is a lion, then that army will fight like they're lions. It's the same thing with being a dad, right? And so, anyway. But, guy, getting back to this, he says, I saw the Lord lifted up high on His throne, in His train, His glory filled the temple. Amen. I want, I want you to know this. If we could have seen our eyes to open up uh, when we gather here on a Sunday, uh, and as we come together in one mind, in one accord, in one body, uh, and as we begin, amen, to praise Him uh, on all of these different instruments, uh, and we lift up our voices together, uh, if you could see the Lord uh, as He sits here and hovers uh, in this glory, uh, in this presence, amen, uh, I want you to know uh, that every Sunday when we get together, amen, in one accord, in one mind, God fills this temple with His glory. Hallelujah. It's all around you. And He desires to not just move on you, but to get inside of you. And it's just a matter of how much I'm going to surrender until He moves into this earthly vessel. Amen. Hallelujah. That's a little picture in how we can live our lives. Is if we live our lives, if we lift Him up, amen, daily. I lift up the throne of God in my life. And I can let His glory fill this temple on a daily basis. That's how I want to live my life, Pastor. Amen. Each day. Hallelujah. Amen. It's above circumstances that come into play. It doesn't matter. Amen. If the dogs chewed my homework, ate my homework, if my wife is mad at me, if my kids are disobeying, I know one thing. That's this. I'm going to make the Lord the ruler of my life. And His train is going to fill this temple. Hallelujah. Amen. Here's the point I'd like to make is this that God 
He is an invisible God. We know that God is the Spirit, John 4 and 24. We also know that Jesus went after the resurrection. He walked in through the room. They were shocked. He said, here, touch me. He says, listen. They thought they had saw a ghost. He said, no, I'm not a spirit because a spirit hath not flesh and bones. So we know one God's a spirit. We know too that a spirit hath not flesh and bones. Right, right. right. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, in Titus's writing, it says that, that God is the invisible God. He's invisible. Moses said, if I could just see your glory. And God answered him and he said this. He said, look, Moses, no man can see me. If he does, he shall die. But I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to run by you really quick. I mean, he's fast like Usain Bolt fast. Right? He's fast like my brother right here. He's fast like Andrew. Okay. He's fast. He says, I'm going to run by you really Have you ever stood there and asked somebody to run by you really fast? I remember one time we were at a park and uh, my little brother Levi, he thought, oh, he could outrun Grant. And Grant was, at that time, in the heyday, 17, 18 years old, top speed, right? And so Levi was pretty fast. So they get down to the park. I stand here like this. Ready, set, go. Well, anyway, Grant dusted him. But when Grant went by me, just because I have my hands like this, he went by me. There was a force where I thought, whoa, man. Just the force of him going by. You ever go down the highway in a big semi? Just the force of it. He says, listen, Moses, you can't see my glory. It's like a big Mack truck. It would wipe you out. But I'm going to let it go by. And you're just going to see my taillights. But when you see my taillights, that's not even. I can't even let you see that. I'm going to put you behind a rock where you can't even directly see it. And he puts them behind a rock. He says, I'm going to cover him up. And then Moses, he pops out and he can barely see the taillights. But when he comes down from the mountain, his face glowing like the sun, the people have to put a veil upon him because nobody can look at him how glorious he looks just from God's glory. No man had ever seen God at any time. Now we do have... We do have portions of Scripture just like here where he says, I have seen the Lord. Right? Jacob says, he said that the night that he wrestled with that man or that angel, I have seen God face to face. Well, God is a spirit and he will appear unto man in the, in the form of a man or in the form of an angel or in the form of fire. Right? And uh, in fact, when God is transforming the children of Israel from a family that has left Egypt to a nation, He's up on Sinai. And Sinai is covered with this dark cloud and thunders and lightnings and a giant fire is all around the top of that mountain. And then the voice of God thunders out of it. And the only thing that people can see is fire consuming the top of that mountain. When they left the Egypt, it was a wall of fire that he separated Egypt from the children of Israel. When they went to bed at night over the tabernacle, it was a pillar of fire. The last thing they saw, you know, when they encamped, their openings of their tent were not facing out. They were facing in towards the tabernacle. You don't do that. You always face out so you're not getting ambushed. God says, don't you worry about it. You keep me the center of your life. And all the tents were facing that. And so the last thing they saw when they closed that flap and went to bed was the 
fire over the tabernacle. Yeah. Moses, when he gets his call, when the Lord speaks to him, it's from a bush that's burning, but it's not consumed. It's a fire. And from that bush, he hears the audible voice of God. Amazing. They followed that pillar of flame, that pillar of cloud by day, wherever it would go in the wilderness. And where it stopped, they stopped. And that's where they set up their tabernacle. If it was for a day, they kept it for a day. If it was for a month, it was for a month. They followed that flame. Amen. It says in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it says, Know ye not that our God, He is a consuming fire? In the Old Testament, God says it Himself. He says, I am a consuming fire. Whoa. I am a consuming fire. I want to establish that God is invisible. Look, I want to read one scripture in the New Testament. 1 Timothy 3.16. I don't know if you have that or not. I might have not gave it to you in order. Listen to this. This is Paul's writing to Timothy. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Now, the mystery of godliness, that is this idea that the almighty God, who is this spirit that is everywhere, would manifest himself as a baby. Right? And so, that is the mystery of God in the flesh. But anyway, it goes on to say God was manifest in the flesh. What that means was God was shown in the flesh. He was revealed in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels. That means before this, he wasn't seen of angels. Because he's invisible. God is a spirit. A spirit hath not flesh and bones. God is invisible. Right? He is seen of angels. Preached unto the Gentiles. Believed on in the world. Received up in the glory. Who are they talking about? This is Jesus Christ. He is the manifestation of the almighty God. Who created everything into existence. Amen. Who spoke from Sinai and gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Amen. And so, God would show Himself in these different ways. Uh, and uh, I think I've established that God has showed Himself in fire. But here is something that uh, caught my attention. Is the book of Leviticus. If you read through the book of Leviticus, uh, the first six chapters have to do with God explaining to Moses... The different kind of sacrifices. You got to kill this kind of animal. Here's how you got to do it. And you got to offer it this way. Six. It goes through six chapters. Different kinds of sacrifices. Chapter seven has to do with the role of the priesthood. Chapter eight is when God consecrates Aaron and his four sons. Chapter 9, Aaron gets busy. Because now, he is now doing all of the sacrificing. He's getting it all ready to go. He's busy, boy. You ever been to Fujiyami? He's like Fujiyami, just getting that stuff going and getting ready to throw it on there. And he's got to do it all the ways that the Lord pointed out in those first six chapters. Listen to this. 
Would you please give me Leviticus 9, 23, and 24? So he's got everything done. Watch this. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. Next verse. And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat which when all the people saw they shouted and fell on their face. You see God he lit that altar he consumed the sacrifice and then in another scripture text he says that fire is to be lit forever and it's to be maintained by the priest. It is a picture of you and I how we allow we are a living sacrifice. Amen. Unto the Lord. A living sacrifice. Now watch this. The very next chapter. Chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. And Nabab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron. They just heard everything. They've just been consecrated to do all this. They just saw the fire fall for the first time and consume the sacrifice. The sons of Aaron took either of them, his censer, and put fire there. And there were these things that they would put incense in and they would burn and, and wave them before the Lord as a sweet fragrance and offered strange fire before the Lord. Hold on. Strange fire? Isn't all fire fire? That fire was supposed to be lit from that fire that proceeded out from God. But they didn't light it from that fire. They lit it from some other fire. Maybe one of them had a bick. I don't know. (laughs) They lit it. And watch what happens. Put incense thereof and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord. And devoured them. Sadly to say, we have a generation of kids that are more likely to believe that Thor exists and that he's got special powers than they are to believe that God exists. You are what you watch. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them. And they died before the Lord. First day on the job. <laughs> He's the <tough Right>. boss. <laughs> First day. Why? Because they offered strange fire before the Lord. You see, it's my conclusion of this. That fire that Isaiah, when he realized that he was an unclean man of unclean lips, why is it that when he saw the Lord in his throne room lifted up high, sitting on there, and that the glory of the Lord filled the temple, that in the Lord's throne room, there's an altar There's always going to be an altar with God. 
If you want to see the glory of God, it's yeah. got to start with an altar somewhere. You got to get to the point where you say, God, I need to know. Amen. Am I right with you? I want to follow you all the days of my life. You've got to work out your own salvation, the Bible says, with fear and trembling. It's not just because mommy and daddy are serving the Lord. You've got to say, hey, I'm a man or a woman and I've decided with my own that I am going to follow you and lift you up and serve you all the days of my life. Amen. There's always going to be an altar in the throne room of God. There's always an altar for everybody to make things right to come into the presence of God. But it's my conclusion that that altar, amen, that the angel came that was too hot for the angel to put his celestial hand upon was an altar that was on fire by God. That was not an earthly fire. That's a fire that only God can give. And the world cannot duplicate it. The world cannot replicate it. They can try to have a substitute for the fire of God. They can try to have a substitute for the Spirit of God. God, amen. We know that fire represents the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. The world can have a substitute. They can try to give you a drug. They can try to build a situation where you can go and be in a concert with hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of people and they can be playing music and you feel like you're in a sense of euphoria and that there's a great spirit rushing through. I want you to know it's not the fire of God. No, it's not. It's not His holy fire. Come on, come on, come on. I believe that that fire was so hot, it was so special that not even an angel could reach in there and grab it. It had to use tongues. And then when it put it upon the lips, amen, it didn't melt it away. There was no physical defect. But what it was, it was like that bush. Amen. When Moses, he came through and he saw the fire of God on that bush, that frail bush. And it didn't consume it. That's how you and I are when we receive the Holy Ghost. John said in Matthew 3 11, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But there's one, amen, who comes after me who's mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He said, He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Amen. Hallelujah. It's a fire that only God can give. The world can't give it. It's a supernatural fire that engulfs us. But yet we're alive like that bush. I'm telling you what. These angels, this Holy Ghost fire, it's too hot for them. They can't touch it. If they did, it's a special fire that God has made for his image creature. Oh my. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> Peter writes in his epistle, he's writing to Christians because they're really being persecuted to the point of death. And he tries to encourage them. How do you encourage somebody? By reaffirming the good news of the gospel. You read 1 Peter 1. He's, re- he's encouraged it, reaffirming it. He's saying, look, here's the thing. We are the ones that this has fallen onto. He says in the Old Testament, those, those prophets, they were prophesying of these things. And they knew kind of a little bit what they were saying. And they wanted those things to fall upon them. But it happened to none of them. 
And it came upon us. What's he talking about? He's talking about the new birth where Jesus, when he says, he says, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom. He cannot see the kingdom. Nicodemus said, how can I be born when I am so old? Can I enter a second time into my mother's womb and be born? Jesus says, no, you're missing it. I'm talking about something supernatural. you got to be born of the water and of the spirit. Amen. And then when Peter gets done, and I think it's the 12th verse, when he's trying to encourage these Christians, he says, this has fallen upon you. What this whole Old Testament, these writers were writing to, and they wanted it to fall upon them, but it didn't. And then he closes out, I think the 12th verse, and he says, and even the angels wanted to look into this. I'm sorry, angels. This Holy Ghost, it's too hot for you. Amen. God would consume you with His glory, but it is for earthen vessels, which for us, frail humanity. We are the bush. Amen. That's engulfed with fire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I want you to know we've got this great power and authority and fire upon our life. It's called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Praise God. Amen. i got to come to a close here. Hallelujah. If I can have the musicians to come. Amen. The angels. I thought, why? What is it? Is it because maybe they thought you mentioned it this morning, Brother Kelly, a third of the angels didn't make it kicked out because of the rebellion. I thought, well, maybe those angels were thinking, if there's hope for humanity, maybe there's hope for our fallen brethren. But I don't think so. Because God, in His wisdom, He said, I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy. And he left no mercy for them. And God is righteous in all of his judgments. Right. So then I thought, well, what else could it be? Maybe it's this. They saw what that Old Testament church did when God would move upon individuals for a particular time period or task. Right? And I imagine those angels, they said, Boy, you remember those heroes of faith and saw what they did? Can you imagine when God, He starts pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh? This world is going to be set on fire. Amen. I can't wait to see it. I showed some pictures the other Wednesday. Amen. Of the revivals that were happening all throughout the world. Hundreds of thousands of people coming together and God pouring out the Holy Ghost. Amen. The angels were saying, I can't wait for this to happen. I can't wait. Amen. When the Spirit, amen, of David is upon all of God's people. Hallelujah. When they're doing things, hallelujah, like some of these heroes in the Old Testament did. Hey, there's a giant slayer walking in your shoes. You may not know it. You think Samson did some great things. I'm telling you what. We've got Samsons in our midst here. Amen. Who are capable through prayer of tearing down the strongholds of the adversaries of God. Amen. But I believe this. Come on, brother. Kiss this. If you'd stand. Come on, brother. Here it is. They are thinking. Okay, let me get this right. You're going to pour your spirit out upon everybody? Yes, that's right, boys. Okay, but it's not just going to be on them. It's going to be in them. You're going to dwell inside of them. 
Oh yeah. That's right. Those angels were like, I can't wait to see this. I can't wait to see this. The fire of God. The fire that's too hot for the angels to handle. That's why in that day, on the day of Pentecost, when the 120 were in the upper room, it was manifested in that first time that flames, like as a fire, the Spirit sat upon them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. He was letting those angels know, this is the beginning of what I am going to do. Hallelujah. And they were thinking, could you imagine the fellowship with God when He's dwelling inside of you? You may turn your back on God, but guess what? He's always there trying to stir up that gift. Paul told Timothy, Stir up that gift that's inside of you. That happened upon when the laying on of my hands. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, it says in another chapter of the book of Acts, uh, they were filled with the Holy Ghost uh, and began to speak in other tongues. Uh, hallelujah. One man said, how do I buy this gift uh, that through the putting on of my hands, uh, people receive the Holy Ghost? Uh, you, got no, you got no part of this. Uh, they said... I want you to know that God, He puts the fire in people when He baptizes them with the Holy Ghost. If you haven't received the Holy Ghost, I want you to know that God wants to fill you with His fire. That only He can do it. If it's been a while since you have gotten to a point where you built up your most holiest faith, where you've surrendered everything, and all of a sudden your lips start quivering, your tongue start stammering and you begin to speak as the Spirit has control over you. I want you to know that God wants to pour out His blessing upon you and He wants you to get to that point. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. This thing's too hot for the angels. It's too hot for the angels. Amen. But it's for you and I. God wants to consume you with the fire that only He can give. And it will not devour you, but it will keep you and preserve you and protect you until that great and mighty day of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, would you right now, would you lift your hands with me? Would you close your eyes? Would you start to pray and start talking to God? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh God, I love you, Lord. Oh Lord, stir up this gift. Stir up this Holy Ghost that's inside of me. God, release the fire upon me of the Holy Ghost. Oh, that's it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. We need the fire of God our life. We need the power of God. The fire of the Holy Ghost. These altars are open. Would you come down here this morning? Would you reach out? Would you renew the Spirit? And let that fire build up in your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Sam. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.